Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Dankman. If you're a gamer like me, there has been a competition for your money and attention almost since the dawn of the medium. Grizzled veterans know this conflict as the console wars. It began in the 80s with Atari versus Nintendo. In the 90s, Sega entered the fight. And since the early 2000s, the main battle in gaming platform supremacy has been between Sony's PlayStation and Microsoft's Xbox. Both companies have devoted a lot of money and effort to securing developers. Sony recently purchased Bellevue-based Bungie, makers of Destiny, while Microsoft took on the FTC to buy gaming giant Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. And a key feature of the console wars has always been exclusivity, the practice of making important games available only for one console. You have to shell out for an Xbox if you want to play Halo, for example. You're a Final Fantasy fan? Better save up for a PlayStation. But a recent announcement from Microsoft suggests the days of console exclusives may be coming to an end, and it's signaling a big change for the gaming industry and the console wars. Joining me now is Bloomberg News tech reporter Dina Bass. Thanks so much for being here, Dina. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. So during last week's Xbox business update, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer said he had some, quote, unforeseen news. We've had some unforeseen news that has come out. So let's just go and and tackle the exclusivity question. What did Spencer announce? So he announced uh, that four Microsoft Xbox exclusive games would be coming to some combination of the Nintendo Switch and Sony PlayStation. They have not yet said which four games, although it's been reported elsewhere, and they have not said which of them are coming to which of those consoles. Not totally sure it was unforeseen, because part of the reason that Phil Spencer had to talk about this last week is that there's been reporting, rumors, speculation, consternation, uh, and complete and utter freakouts for the last several weeks as some of this has started to leak out. Yeah, you talk about this rumor cycle. I mean, there were leaks and conversations up to uh, Microsoft potentially pivoting away from hardware and towards software so that Xbox wouldn't be in production anymore, like Microsoft would stop making consoles. I mean, just to get this out there, is Microsoft stopping production of the Xbox? No. Spencer and one of the two Xbox presidents, Sarah Bond, last week both said, no, they're next generation hardware being planned. When I interviewed Spencer uh, last Wednesday ahead of their press announcement, he he actually flipped it a little bit to uh, argue that some of why this is good if you care about Xbox hardware is that if he and his team can figure out ways to make more money from the software, i.e. by selling it on other consoles, they'll be able to do more innovative things in hardware the more the game side of the business is having success. And and then told me a little bit about how they've got a bunch of early plans. He's excited about different form factors, wouldn't tell me what those were. Although, again, when we're talking about rumors and speculation, there's been a lot of speculation that Microsoft, that Xbox might try and do a handheld. I asked him, he wouldn't say. Handheld. Yeah, that'd be an interesting move, something that Sony has tried in the past. Um, Obviously, Nintendo is uh, adjustable between handheld and, and console, and that's been really successful for them. But that would be a new move for Microsoft. 
Just for folks who don't follow the gaming industry, Dina, how important has exclusivity been to Xbox and Microsoft? Why is this such a big deal to hear this announcement from Spencer? You know, it's interesting. The things you're talking about here, will there be more hardware, more console hardware, and will there be exclusives? These are conversations that people have been having for decades, believe it or not. There's always been this belief that at some point we can do enough in terms of game streaming that maybe we can do console-less gaming, and that still hasn't really happened. Performance is still much better on a, a piece of hardware. And the exclusivity thing has also been a long-standing issue and threat. So when Microsoft, if we go back more than 20 years now, when Microsoft releases the first Xbox in 2001, it had to put up together a lineup of games from nothing. And the exclusive game for that that made all the difference was Halo. Microsoft bought Bungie at the time for very, you know, very inexpensive acquisition and wound up with this blockbuster hit called Halo And having that was, you know, one of the things that really drove people to the Xbox. So, you know, you could really argue that without that kind of exclusive, there'd be no Xbox. At the same time, exclusives are expensive. You spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars creating a blockbuster game, and then you can only sell it on your console. Or Microsoft also makes a lot of money selling PC games. But you're ignoring the other two thirds of the market. And for Microsoft in particular, in the current generation of consoles, the Xbox is the number three player in a three-player market. The console market is not growing. And in fact, the overall market didn't grow last year. Spencer took uh, you know pains to note that last week. That, Look, this is a market that in 2023 didn't grow. And Microsoft and the other uh, you know players here have got to figure out what they're going to do that's going to change that script. You know, last week, uh, Nintendo started telling game publishers that the Switch 2 will be delayed, Bloomberg reported, citing sources familiar with the matter. And Sony had a, a lousy earnings report where it, you know, slashed projections for sales of the PlayStation 5. So this is not just a Microsoft question. It's an everybody in the industry question. Spencer has also, for a couple of years now, been saying that he thinks the market is moving away from exclusives. He told me that in an interview going back uh, three, four years now. During the process of acquiring Activision, the uh, U.S. Federal Trade Commission took Microsoft to court to try to block block that deal. And on the stand, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella himself said that he is not a fan of exclusives. Here's kind of the math behind that, that Microsoft and everyone else have to balance when they're deciding whether something is exclusive. And in particular, whether to take a game that has been acquired exclusive. So if you are acquiring Activision, you have something like Call of Duty, which for years has made, you know, a ridiculous amount of money selling on the PlayStation. Microsoft could acquire that game and make it Xbox only. And so if you want to play Call of Duty, you have to buy an Xbox. That's a huge boon for Xbox hardware. And they are acquiring it with the Activision purchase. Yeah. That's right. So Call of Duty is a specific, is, is an interesting case because it became a huge part of the, um, the regulatory approval for Activision. As part of getting the Activision deal approved, Microsoft agreed to a deal first with Nintendo and then with Sony to make sure that Call of Duty would be available on those consoles um, for the term of the deal. So that, that game cannot be exclusive to Xbox. But for all the other games that they've acquired from Bethesda, from Activision, these are games that in many cases for years, uh, you know, made a bunch of money selling copies for a PlayStation. So if Microsoft acquires that company for a certain amount of money and they want to take these games exclusive, 
they're automatically cutting off a bunch of sales uh, that the company previously had, which were part of the valuation of the deal. Microsoft paid for that. Yes, making the game exclusive to the Xbox is a boon for Xbox hardware. Uh, it's a boon for Xbox gamers in that case. If you're, you know, I'm an Xbox person, I'm an Xbox woman, I'm not a Sony woman. It's very exciting for me that this great game from Bethesda, for example, will only be available on the Xbox. But Microsoft's losing out on sales there. And you also have to remember the economics of the video game market. In most cases, these companies lose money selling console hardware and they make money on the games, which are much more profitable. So all of these things come into kind of the math of making an acquisition pencil. And, you know, when Microsoft is looking at a $69 billion purchase of Activision, they've got to figure out how they're going to make the math pencil. Yeah, because if I was a consumer right now thinking about my next console purchase, um, I would have questions about how much support Xbox in its new form, whatever the new console will be called, will have long term. I mean, will there be a fade out process where I've spent hundreds of dollars on something that then doesn't get the kind of support long term as the company is making this shift over into more of a software business. Um, obviously, that's something that Phil Spencer wants to really contradict, wants to really kind of those those rumors he wants to really quash with this announcement last week. It doesn't do Microsoft any good to have questions about the future of Xbox, right? Exactly. And I, I think you absolutely saw Spencer and Sarah Bond and Matt Booty trying to assuage those concerns specifically by saying, yes, we are committing to another generation of hardware. Yes, we want to do interesting and innovative things with hardware. Also, uh, you know, talking about Game, Game Pass, their uh, subscription service and how that is, you know, Xbox only. There's not going to be a Game Pass for PlayStation. You know, Phil also said, look, you know, if you're a PlayStation customer, you shouldn't think that there's some plan that this is the beginning of all of the games coming to PlayStation or Nintendo. Because you were hearing Xbox, uh, you know, not just PlayStation gamers, but Xbox hardware gamers uh, before this announcement saying, look, if this is the way it's going to go, I'll just buy a PlayStation and I can play all my Xbox games on there. So I think Spencer really took pains to say, no, that's not the case. Like we're bringing a small handful of games and you should not assume, look, I, if I want to play Halo, I can just buy a PlayStation and eventually Halo will end up over there. Yeah. And Halo sells a lot of consoles. Dina, anything else you want to add about what you'll be watching in the video game industry and from Xbox specifically? One of the other really significant things I'm looking out for is what happens to Xbox plans for mobile gaming. One of the main reasons for buying Activision Blizzard and its King unit, which is the maker of Candy Crush, is that Microsoft and Xbox are, were absolutely nowhere in mobile gaming, whereas King is a huge mobile gaming company. Simply by acquiring King, Microsoft now has a significant position. But Spencer has had a long-standing ambition. He's been talking about it over the last couple of years to do, you know, an, an Xbox Xbox-owned mobile store, and that's been hard to do because of some of the battling between um, Apple and Microsoft over the way that Microsoft's, uh, you know, Microsoft's gaming store stuff shows up in Apple's Apple's mobile store. There's a bunch of backing and forthing around the European Union's new regulations uh, and how they affect Apple in this respect. And there's, you know, got to be a bit more movement before Spencer feels that he's comfortable trying to launch a mobile store. But this is something he wants to do on the back of this, you know, this acquisition of King. And so I think we're going to be looking very carefully at moves that Microsoft makes in mobile games. 
Yeah. King makes Candy Crush. Yes. You know, enough said about Microsoft's new position in mobile gaming. And uh, Dina is too much of a responsible reporter to name the games that have been flying around the rumor mill. But I will do so right now. The games that um, have been widely reported as being the ones that will be ported to other platforms are live services games, Sea of Thieves and Grounded, plus Standalone's Hi-Fi Rush and Penitent. Again, those are not confirmed, but they have been widely reported in a lot of games media. Dina Bass is a tech reporter for Bloomberg News covering this big announcement from Xbox last week. Thanks so much. It's always great to hear your reporting on what's going on over at Microsoft. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to SoundSide. And hey, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.